I, that was an interesting story you told me when when I called up. Well, the funny thing, apparently the Bermuda Triangle has been uh, put back into existence. Um, the uh, British publisher forwarded an X number of copies to uh, an American book outlet. Uh-huh. And apparently half the shipment was lost in transit, and there's probably no way of getting hold of the extra 40 or 50 books that um, went as part of that, 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 that one shipment. Uh-huh. Um, so right now we're just wondering what are we going to do? He's going to have to re- reprint a short run right. to ship to this country, or uh, what are we going to be working on? Uh-huh. It's just been a nightmarish pro- uh, project. <laughs> uh, it's never had so much trouble. Ha- is this your first book? I'm sorry? Is this your first book? This is my second book, uh, Chupacabras, Another Mystery. Uh-huh. Uh, was my first, and of course my first translation was Visionaries, Mystics, and Contactees. Oh, yeah. Salvador Frixedo's book. Is that how you pronounce it? We all said Frechado. Well, Frechado, actually. Oh, Frechado. Oh, Frechado, because he's from Spain. Well, he's from Galicia. Which is? The northwestern corner of Spain. And, it is, and the language they speak there is so, so much closer to Portuguese than it is to the Castilian. So. Oh, I see. Um, geez, you know what? I When I saw that book, it was the first thing I'd seen by um, Father, who is, he is a, he's a priest in the Roman Catholic Church, is he not? Ah, uh, he is a defrocked Jesuit. Ah! Most Jesuits <laughs> come to know they get kicked out of the order. Ah, <laughs> uh, but um, Flexero decided that he could no longer take uh, the official church line back in the 1960s. Uh-huh. And he published a book entitled My Church is Asleep, Mi Iglesia Duerme. Uh-huh. And it was a runaway bestseller of its time. And of course, uh, both Spain and Latin America were in great social ferment in the, in the late 1960s. Right. And he was simply saying that the church is no longer responsive to the needs of um, its, uh, what should we call them, its uh, churchgoers, parishioners. Yeah, their, their flock. Absolutely. And for that book, um, he was suspended uh-huh. by um, his uh, local bishops, I believe he was still in Puerto Rico at the time. Right. Uh, he followed up that hit with a book uh, with a very unwieldy title of Love, Courtship, Marriage. <laughs> uh, it was a very, very long title in Spanish. Yeah. And he was thrown in prison for that. Whoa. In Caracas, Venezuela. So they throw they throw rocks at uh, Nixon when he comes there, and then throw him in jail. In jail, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and he kept on following up his um, stream of anti-Catholicism books. Uh-huh. Anti, I think it's fair to say they're anti-Catholic books. He was just trying to perhaps jolt people into the awareness that um, dogma was strictly legend, right? And uh, that it was time for him to wake up and examine. Light. How did how did this lead him into writing uh, this seminal UFO book? Actually, visionaries, mystics, and contactees, because it's almost never talked about in the English speaking world, like most things in the uh, UFO and anomalous uh, phenomena world that's written outside of this country. By his own admission, um, he never had much a considerable interest in UFOs or anything to that effect mm-hmm. until he tried to find out what are the root causes of um, the blind I guess the blind way people, which people try to express their, their belief mm-hmm. the root of wars the root of um, simply the divisions on earth and it came to him that all these differences all this pain and suffering had to benefit an outside party 
And that's when he came up with the concept of, aha, perhaps we are benefiting the creatures who appear to us under the guise of UFO occupants. Right. Um, Xavier, we must add, is very much a believer in the extra-dimensional hypothesis that was spearheaded by uh, John Keel, by Jacques Vallée, right. and by Gordon Christ. And uh -huh. he certainly has used that as the uh, cornerstone of his UFO-based work, which is separate from his uh, church work, mm -hmm. from his anti-Catholicism. Right. Is, he, is he still involved in, uh, in, in the UFO arena? He certainly is, but he only publishes uh, short pieces for Spanish magazines. Uh -huh. Spanish magazines, particularly Enigmas, right. and the Proximo Milenio uh -huh. in Barcelona. And uh, the, what, what moved you to translate this particular book, at least as a first project? Well, um, I had grown up in Mexico uh, seeing Fixedo on television, uh, listening to him on various radio shows, and it, many, many, many years later, mm -hmm. I happened to pick up a copy of Valet's Dimensions uh, back in 1987, I believe it was. Right. And Valet mentioned that it was amazing that Seychelles' most important book, Defendamos a los Dioses, Beware of the Gods, had remained untranslated. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is impossible. I mean, <laughs> I've got to, you know, let me find out why. And uh, when looking into it, no one had, no one had, a, had ever made a single attempt, not in Britain, not in the States, mm -hmm. to translate his work. And I said, well, I might as well um, roll up my, uh, <laughs> my shirt sleeves yeah. and get busy. And that's exactly what I did. I started with visionaries. Uh -huh. And then moved on to translate his most important book, which is Beware of the Gods, uh -huh. uh, his most controversial one, which is Israel, the Contactee Nation. <laughs> what uh, is that about? Well, uh, at the risk of getting firebombed, he's just trying to say that the Jewish people have been deluded for millennia by an evil space entity called Yahweh. And that all the trouble the Jewish people have gone through over the past, well, four or five thousand years, mm -hmm. um, has simply been to have their pain, their suffering, their anguish nourish the needs of this extra-dimensional entity. How did he come? How did he come to the? <laughs> my friend uh, Jeremy's sitting here, who is Jewish, and he just said, "I won't argue with that." <laughs> how did he come to that uh, conclusion? Uh, you know, I have never read an interview as how what prompted him to come up with that idea. Mm -hmm. But I do know that a French author named Mark Dent had published a book entitled "The Lost Tribes of Israel," I believe, mm -hmm. uh, a year or two before Fixable did his own book. So I believe it was probably motivated by Mark, Mark Dem's original book in French. Right. But you know, otherwise, um, I've translated all of those books. In fact, his, most, his last book on the UFO subject, which was called The Human Farm, which deals with the Fortean approach to ufology more than anything. Oh, the We Are Property quote from Charles Ford. Absolutely. And the biggest problem has been trying to find a publisher mm -hmm. uh, interested in actually going and presenting an American edition of, uh, of Fix Hill's work. Right. Um, I've approached a number of agents, and one of them even told me, with all the stuff going on in this country, why should you be interested in doing something about another country? Let them <laughs> worry about their own problems. That I sounds like the American attitude toward just about everything outside of this country. Well, it's a very unhealthy attitude, <laughs> at least. Yeah. And, uh, of course... I'm convinced that this information would have translated to be of incredible help to um, 
be arrest investigators who are pursuing their own work here in the states or in England. Mm-hmm. As 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 sort of a um, uh, as, as a yardstick to measure their own research and and uh, uh, gathering of facts and experience against. Because uh, ever since, actually, I'm sorry, ever since um, the 1950s when um, people in the United States were seeing either almost no entities or or people that just look like humans, people in Latin American countries are always seeing these um, monsters or hairy dwarves that would actually knock them down and, and injure them and things. And that, that was not, that was pretty much unheard of in the United States. Well, it's fascinating because even now, um, during the abduction written it wasn't until very recently, probably 96, that we started to get a lot of reports of greys coming out of Latin America. They had never seen that kind of uh, entity down there, mm-hmm. nor had they in Spain. Right. In fact, I have a book by uh, another famous Spanish investigator, J.J. Uh, Benitez, right. who says, thank God we've been spared the ravages of those large-headed monsters they get in the States. <laughs> and um, another, as I said, it's if we had time, I could tell you the wealth of information coming out of Spain, for example. Mm-hmm. There's this one very, very young reporter um, named, oh gosh, his name escapes me, uh, Josep Guijarro. Mm-hmm. Uh, his book is called Infiltrados, The Infiltrators. Mm-hmm. And he's probably... This is a recent book. Yes, it's probably from 1991. Right. Um, he just goes through a number of Spanish abduction cases that he's been working on. And in one event, he stays over at the Abbot Pete's house, um, hoping to actually catch something. Yeah, American investigators have done this and come up with, I don't know, nothing, I think, so far. And this is, this is, this is the, uh, the great strength of Guijarro's book, if we believe that his experience was true. Mm-hmm. Which he was? He saw this large-headed entity actually walk past his, the door of the room in which he was staying, mm-hmm. toward the Abbot Pete's room. Uh-huh. But he was petrified. Oh, this is kind of mentioned in Strieber's books, too, but not well, taken... I, I, see, that's, that's the entire thing. I've never really um, no disrespect to uh, Whitney Strieber, yeah. who's a science fiction I've loved. Yeah. Uh, I've never gotten into his UFO stuff, so, uh-huh. so I didn't even know that. But according to Guijarro, yes, he saw this presence walk by in shadow past his room. Mm-hmm. But fear kept him from even pointing the camera he had in his hand yeah. at the presence. I guess so. I mean, I, I, I so we're left with this story. That's absolutely so. It's either we take it as a ploy to sell a book, or uh, <laughs> he's one of the few who've actually seen these things. Right. But in, you know, going back to the monster uh, situation, right. you're absolutely right. We're getting a lot of strange reports out of Latin America, particularly Argentina and Brazil, concerning these very tall creatures. But the um, tall creatures. Very, remember, we had, had giants, the twelve foot tall giants. I think uh, I've heard by the roadside. That that's more recently, right? Ah, uh, the late sixties, early seventies. Oh, okay. And cyclopean uh, figures also in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes, yeah, I do remember hearing about that. I, I think the only thing I'd seen mentioned of it is when Valet was talking about it in Dimensions. Right. Well, because um, the Lorenzans pretty much cut off all their stuff in the late sixties. Absolutely. And that's where I had first heard about it, because they actually took the trouble to get um, correspondence from Latin America. And that... Um, APRO. ...was probably ufology's, ufology's shining moment, uh, when they decided to open the doors to researchers overseas mm-hmm. to provide them with information. I find that 
funds for existence, for, for example, yeah. is very into it when it comes to that, to that respect. I remember one of the nastiest book reviews I've ever gotten was Dennis Stacy's uh, Panning of Visionaries. Huh. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've had some conversations with him about that, that kind of... What's really strange is when I was going out to Area 51 with Stacy. We were in the truck, and I, I said uh, we, we were talking about various things. And one thing we mentioned was the abduction scenario, of course. And he said, um, I, "I began to think recently that what that is is um, aborted fetuses coming back to wreak havoc upon people that have the, 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 as revenge." And I said, "What? Wow! <laughs> He's going to pan Salvador Frechado, uh, and he he thinks that fe- th- this kind of confused me. And I thought he was just playing with me, but he." straight-faced told me about it, but he wouldn't elaborate. Wow. And I'd never heard that before or since. Well, that certainly is. That, that, that's one for the book, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> this is something he did say. Well, I, all I can tell you is um, that alien taxonomy mm-hmm. has been completely unknown until recent years in Latin America, and then we don't know how much of it is just, you know, cross-pollination. Right. Um, appearing in people's hypnotic regression to that effect uh, it's safe to say that now with the amount of US videos and things making their way down there people who may have had bona fide experiences are now recalling experiences that have been presented to them on television or yeah. through imported books or what have you a lot of people have made that comment that the, the, that kind of research is hopelessly crowded I mean they're hopelessly contaminated now and there's not really anybody. There's not really anything anybody can do because of the, preconce- the preconceptions, which are really bad when you're talking about something that nobody knows really much about anyway. I, I, I do get that very same feeling uh, talking to my uh, counterparts in um, in Mexico and in Spain, mm-hmm. uh, where I think they've opted to go for whatever this is. Let's leave the, the abduction part alone and concentrate with the sightings, right. which we can actually try to prove are secret uh, weapons being tested by NATO or secret this, secret that. Right. And of course, your respectability gets ratcheted up <laughs> uh, whenever you say, "No, these aren't from Mars. These are secret weapons." Right. Right. Oh, that that happens in uh, in Latin American countries too. Huh? It certainly does. Um, very much so in Spain, for example. Uh huh. Um, um, oh, go ahead. Um, yeah, yeah, we're getting a lot of this. Um, uh, these could be NATO weapons, and a lot of interest in the flying triangles. That could be some sort of American device being tested over Spain. Some sort of reciprocity of the Spaniards can do this and that and the other. So, right, I, it goes on. But that, that that's where respectability lies. <laughs> uh, actually, that that leads us into a little bit of what's been going on in Puerto Rico because I wanted to get back to your book. And uh, people that, when they hear about chupacabras, it seems like it was kind of a craze. It, it came through. People didn't know what was going on. Uh, most people that weren't in the Latin American community thought it was just a big joke. It was it was poo-pooed, and, and it kind of died out somehow, at least in the news and in Fortean Times and all that. I know you had an article in Fortean Times. And uh, I was wondering what has happened since your book has come out and what you found from the perspective of actually going going to Puerto Rico and talking to these people in an essentially isolated uh, place where, you know, maybe rumor and all that wouldn't have started as quickly as it would have in the American Southwest. 
Well, I think part of the problem is that it was automatically categorized as an urban legend of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly it was incorrectly um, categorized as being a Mexican legend mm-hmm. uh, when such a creature had never, ever, ever been seen anywhere in the world. Uh, of course, it was seen first in Puerto Rico, right. which has its own tradition of animal mutilations going right back into the 50s, I believe, um, as far as I've been able to... Uh, How insulated, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, in fact, in the 1970s, uh, 20 years ago to the uh, perhaps the first date of Chupacabra's apparition, had been the heyday of the Mocha Vampire, as it was called. Mm-hmm. And the Mocha Vampire simply you know, played havoc in Puerto Rico for about two or three years. Um, back in the 70s. So was this a concept or had people actually t- uh, described something? No one ever saw anything of what the Mocha Vampire's depredations. All we had were the, the mutilated carcasses, we had the UFO sightings. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's no connection between uh, between them, but um, certainly the people believe, well, these are extraterrestrials, you know. That, and that's the first leap of logic that's always made. These are ETs. And, yeah. Uh, you know, check disabuse people with the notion, but you can't, you can't find it. Yeah. So with Chupacabra, the last bonafide sighting would have been in March or April of 1996 in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. before it passed on to uh, Mexico. You had the, the synchronous sightings in the southwest in Florida mm-hmm. and moved out to Costa Rica. Do you have any theory as to why that moved? Uh, why why the, 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 either the... the uh, well, I don't know if anybody believes in tulpas and manifested thought forms or how far we can go with that, but why it spread in that way and just suddenly jumped across the Caribbean into uh, the Latin American communities in, in these states? Well, I think that it didn't really leave Puerto Rico at any given point. I think that it had um, synchronous manifestations taking place in these other countries. Mm-hmm. Remember, when it's far down as Panama, and then it leaped over to Portugal and Spain. Uh, oh, that's right. I remember in your article. So what we ended up with is descriptions of an animal in Mexico that did not resemble at all the creature seen in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. uh, the previous year and even earlier that year. The creature that was uh, seen in Guatemala looked like a hybrid between what had been seen in Puerto Rico and some of the more feline um, manifestations that had been seen in Mexico. Right. Um, the Mexican scenario is fascinating because it involved mutilations on both sides of the country. You have the Pacific Coast, you have the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. You had a creature described as being a gigantic bat, a, a truly gigantic bat. Sounds like Mothman or exactly some some of the big back to that. the, the big back to Mothman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we always that seems to be the, the, the touchstone from which we always move on to Mothman, mm-hmm. uh, simply because that kind of being has always been seen, uh, regardless of the country of time. Um, and then, of course, you had the more, I guess, vulpine or uh, even felinoid kind of creature that was being seen elsewhere in, in, the, in the country. Right. However, Dr. Rafael Lara uh, Palmeros, who's uh, one of Mexico's foremost UFO research, researchers, um, unequivocally stated, at no point during these Chupacabras attacks in Mexico were UFOs ever reported. Therefore, we cannot make that connection. Mm-hmm. But still, that little bit of information was quickly overlooked by uh, the believers who were saying, no, 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 uh, UFOs are dropping these things off to do research or God knows <laughs> what, you know. Yeah. 
And um, wasn't this picked up by the TV in Mexico, and the, that that kind of spread that way too? Well, fortunately, I do happen to have. I think it's probably two or three hours of video of just Mexican shows dealing with Chupacabras, and mm -hmm. it's. After you finish watching them, you have to say, no, this can't be real. This is just a sociological um, phenomenon of some sort because the treatment on television is so... Sensationalist. so sensational. Yeah. And I think they just tried to make it seem so ubiquitous that they say, no, people have got to be imagining this. I think it, there must be something wrong with their diet. Uh -huh. Something to that effect. That, that's well, why weren't they? Why do, why, do you not, why do you think they weren't imagining it for the benefit of our listeners? Well... I think after what happened in Puerto Rico, knowing that it happened before, knowing, um, or at least believing in my case, that these interdimensional manifestations have occurred over the centuries, and we've given them different names, mm -hmm. um, that I give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, as that these things actually occur, rather than just being uh, misidentifications of uh, real animals or even cryptid animals of some sort. Right. I'm very much, I've always come out, you know, you know with it, I, I'm a firm believer in the interdimensional, extra-dimensional origin of the Chupacabra. Mm -hmm. uh, it came from the same place that uh, Mothman came from, perhaps. Right. Uh, it belongs to the same variety of um, strange or unusual animal creature that we get uh, the lizard man in North Carolina or even the mm -hmm. foot sightings here in Pennsylvania right which are of a clearly paranormal bent uh -huh. and no matter how much because the whole area always seems to be affected it's not just somebody sees something running around and that's it exactly and it's exactly. it uh, happens over a period of time it, it, like you said goes back to the Mothman thing but, what's what's um, very interesting is that uh, in this issue of the magazine which Believe it or not, is going to the printers this week. Right. <laughs> um, I interviewed uh, this uh, parapsychology researcher, Dean Radin, and he wrote this book called *The Conscious Universe*. And we were talking. Oh, I didn't bring in. I didn't bring my mock-up in the magazine here. But we were talking about. Um, uh, so I, I, I asked him about uh, manifested thought form, or uh, that you know, a little bit about the you know, the Mothman kind of effect. And he said that, uh, he, he used as an example the, the Fatima uh, story where the, uh, the, 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 the these kids had uh, seen what they said was the Virgin Mary and the thing was that they, they said it would come back the next month and it did and it did, you know, two or three times, I think. And uh, the people, people he, he made the point that even skeptics saw things Right. And if you have a crowd of 70,000 people witnessing something, um, they're going to be skeptics of number two. Yeah. And they, they, all the skeptics saw something, most of them anyway, saw something coming down and anything from, you know, something, some fuzzy ball of light to, if you were very close to it, it was the Virgin or whatever they wanted to call it. And um, Raiden had put forward the, you know, just adding to this, this uh, flap or Mothman type theory that, um, when something's going on in an area, uh, it can start feeding upon itself and become recursive in the local environment to the point where, if it was ethereal before, it come. It, it I, I said, you mean somebody with watching through a telescope 20 miles away would probably still see something? He goes, yeah, in, the, in that way. Whereas at first, that might not have happened. Well, 
fascinating um, theory, certainly. Kind of a knot of of coincidence and 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 uh, belief and force and and excitement and emotional involvement all involved in one place at one time uh, uh, starts affecting the environment in concrete ways. That that's basically what you're saying. And I think he, if he went to Puerto Rico and tried to implement his theory, he'd find perhaps that it's it's quite applicable. I was having this discussion with um, a parapsychologist, Peter Jordan. Um, oh, I just talked to him a couple weeks ago. Oh, very good. Yeah, he sent me some cattle mutilation stuff that he'd written, the, the remote viewing stuff. Oh, excellent. That's that, which is kind of old, but I, I hadn't heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I was, we were discussing this. Uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. And I was just telling him, um, this is the hotbed of political, religious, and social ferment that happens to be Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, it's an island given to extremes, I think, like all of Latin America is given to extremes. Yeah. And um, there's this great, this intense religious fervor always. Not Catholic, largely Protestant. There are always new groups coming up, little churches, former people's people's neighborhoods, people's yeah, neighborhoods. Yeah, the Pentecostals are getting quite a foothold in, in Los Angeles. Well, that's in the In the Hispanic community. It's very well, participatory and, and revelatory and all that. Absolutely. So the Pentecostal assemblies to the left and to the right. Mm-hmm. And this is the island that is always known for the moment you have a UFO flap, to use that tired expression. Yeah, I've been trying to stay away from it. Yeah, well, here we go. The UFO flap. Right. Uh, you will always get um, a related Marian apparition or divine apparition somewhere on the island. Mm-hmm. That you will have hundreds of... Well, Even like if the people hadn't heard about this UFO thing. Exactly. Have tens of thousands of people visiting the place where the apparitions take place is occurring. Mm-hmm. You'll have a resurgence of UFO activity. Mm-hmm. Then you'll start seeing the creatures, whether it's um, the small, hairy, Bigfoot-type creature uh, known as the uh, Comecogoyos or the uh, banana plant eater. <laughs> um, or you'll have the huge winged birds that seem to be endemic to, uh, to the Caribbean. Yeah. They're the pterodactyls in some cases. Right. They're just huge feathered creatures you know, that defy any kind of uh, classification. Certainly zoologists wouldn't know what to do with them. Right. Uh, except, I guess, call them, you know, pterotorns or whatever <laughs> uh-huh. the expression happens to be. <clears throat> and this always happens. In fact, in Chupacabras, um, manifestations, we were getting some of the religious phenomena, I believe, in Bayamón, in a place called Montaña Santa where the Virgin had been appearing earlier in 1995 before the onset of uh, the Chupacabra sightings. Mm-hmm. So we're getting all of that stuff at once. Uh, this did not happen in Mexico, uh, to the country where there were no miraculous apparitions and no UFOs, simply animal mutilation. I see. Huh. And then, of course, when it moved on to Spain, all you had were the anim- dead animals with puncture marks... Mm-hmm. And entire herds of sheep that disappeared, and prompting a lot of um, found later or just gone, just, just gone. Mm-hmm. In fact, prompting uh, authorities to say in writing, it appears that they were just lifted straight into the air. <laughs> and I mean, Spain being as conservative and as cynical a country as it is, yeah. For let's say a prosecutor or some sort of judge to put this down in a report, uh, really takes a lot of doing. <laughs> and certainly, you know, they've, um, uh, Salvador Fixedo's wife, Magdalena Melamo, mm-hmm. who's a fantastic journalist in her own right, 
uh, has been documenting all these um, Spanish animal mutilation cases. Uh-huh. And uh, they're fascinating results. They involve eyewitnesses, they involve police. Eyewitnesses um, to what? To, I guess, simply turning aside for a moment um, to light a cigarette and then finding that one of your animals has been slain. Mm-hmm. You cannot see any predator mm-hmm. having committed the act. Right. And this resonates with, as I was telling you a little bit earlier, with the Mocha Vampire right. in the 1970s. Huh. Let's say you had the farmers conducting their, their night watch to see what the predator was. Right. Ufologists joining them. And the moment someone was distracted, there was a noise in the night. They'd investigate the sound five seconds later, well, a minute later, so turn around, there was already a dead animal. Uh-huh. And they're saying that it's impossible. We've been here. We never saw a shadow. We never heard the rustling of leaves, nothing. Mm-hmm. And yet here it is it's happening. And of course, this leads to very, uh, I guess, science, science fictionist um, conjectures as well. The yeah. creature that pops out of a dimension and uh-huh. sucks some blood and disappears into his own dimension again. I mean, that's. Or invisibility, which has always um, been a stock in, you know, stock item in trade in this, in this field. Right. But uh, the fact remains that some of these mutilations are taking place under the very noses of uh, people supposed to be on the lookout for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's unusual, but... Uh, has, it, has anything like that uh, been reported anywhere on the, in this continent, or is that basically just in Spain? Well, I mean, the, 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 the same thing with crop circles. They'll form when you're not looking, and uh, the uh, cattle mutilation stuff will basically happen overnight. Right. But I don't know if I've ever heard of anybody actually turning away and having that happen well, in this country. I know we have videos, or perhaps they're hoaxed videos, I don't know, mm-hmm. of crop circles being formed. Right. But no one in any country has any footage of a predator, whether human or animal or whatever, right. in the process of committing one of these uh, of these animal attacks. Uh-huh. Um, I think whatever's who or whatever is doing it probably makes pretty sure there's nobody around. Yeah, but see, even in these places where you've had you have had uh, night watches and whatever, mm-hmm. the attacks will occur whether you are watching or not, and whether it's possible to. Let me throw out a lot of weird science fiction at you. Yeah. To stop time for this creature to paralyze people for a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. uh, suck your blood, and then restore the flow of time or something to that effect. Yeah. It could be that. I mean. Yeah. And this is what I understand. Well, this is another thing I talked about with Raiden about the time and how it's it's a human convention. Exactly. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. The problem is you cannot discuss these things simply because um, the more respectable uh, ufologists do not want to hear about it. They're like, no, 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 look. If they were aliens doing this job, they would you'd see their huge... Um, landing marks and they would have probably done it scientifically and you would have gotten a chance to see something or maybe radiation yeah the, the, putting a putting a, a 20th century scientific spin on it because if they don't they're for some reason probably with good reason terrified that nobody will take them seriously which is kind of strange because a lot of people most of the public don't take ufologists seriously anyway exactly. so it doesn't really make any difference and might as well go for something that would seem to make sense or towards some some uh, explanation or or um, you know gr- set of circumstances whereby they can start understanding the phenomenon or, or part of it absolutely 
Ah, this is so maybe I shouldn't be making so much fun of Dennis Stacy. <laughs> but even so, when you look at the um, what has become to I mean to go back to your question, um, whatever became of the Chupacabra? Uh, after nineteen ninety six it stopped in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. After late nineteen ninety six it stopped in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Moved on to Spain and Portugal, then it stopped there. In nineteen ninety seven we were getting reports from Brazil, but a creature that had nothing at all to do with the Chupacabras. It was not even... It was given that name, I think, just to catch a bit of a yeah. spin. Given, uh, Did it do the same thing? At no... Um, same result. Not, not a single trait in common with the original animal. What was reported was a largely... Like a very large dog-like creature mm-hmm. with very long ears that actually attacked people and left... Um, rather ugly wounds on them. Uh-huh. I had a, a case involving a mother daughter who'd uh, actually been attacked by this vulpine creature that came out of the, uh, the underbrush. Right. And that's all we have. But it was given to Bacabra's name simply you know, because it was a convention of the time. Right. In fact, the, um, the Virginia aliens uh, just happened on the cusp of 96 to 97. The what aliens? The Virginia. Virginia, Brazil. Oh. Um, Apparently, there had been a, a purported UFO crash. Oh, that, yeah. Some occupants had survived. Some, mm-hmm. some huge shaggy dog story. Yeah. And um, they said, oh, that, that's actually Chupacabra. But what it wasn't, it was just some, some completely predominant. But once you you have a catchy name out there, you just try to gather as much as you can under its, uh, its coverage, I guess. Yeah. It's funny, you'd think that if the uh, name would stick and the concept would stick, that the that if it was a if it was a, a rumor or a uh, some some kind of hysteria that the that the um, description of the creature would stay basically the same too. That is what I find most troubling about applying the Chupacabra's um, tag to what's going on in Mexico, what's going on in Central America. Mm-hmm. However, the Central American sightings uh, were very interesting. In fact, you have the radiation in it. Which later I discovered many, many, many years later. We also had radiation evidence in Puerto Rico that no one knew about. Hmm. In fact, now that. So I never heard about that. Yeah, nor had I until last year. Uh, long after the book was written, people began emerging from the, from the woodwork and saying, no, 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 there was all this information, which didn't make it public at the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're all the, uh, all the poorer for it, so I'm hoping that perhaps I can either present a separate study, monograph, on all the forgotten clues that we have and little evidence that uh, we have on this creature that just remained collected or forgotten or neglected. Mm-hmm. I think we probably have to get off here pretty soon. Okay. Uh, but uh, actually, before we go, uh, maybe you should give people some idea of how to go about finding your... Uh, latest book or maybe your other books and maybe well, give the address of Arcturus or something like that sure um, if that's one of the outlets now for any of the books right Chupacabras and other mysteries uh, can be obtained from Arcturus books mm-hmm. uh, their phone number is 561-337-1901 mm-hmm. uh, the cost is nineteen ninety five plus shipping and handling which would be three dollars Bob charges you yeah He's a great source for uh, uh, paranormal and UFO books. Absolutely. Cranky Probably old the Bob. One, the only one out there. Right. Uh, Flashpoint, High Strangers in Puerto Rico, published by Amarna Limited. 
having a hard time finding a distributor for it. <laughs> so please address all inquiries to P.O. Box 228, Derrick City, Pennsylvania, 16727. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll try to forward all your requests to uh, the publisher directly in England. All right. see what we can do there. You ought to try Amazon. They, they're distributing all of Ken Thomas's books, apparently. Well, interesting, Chupacabras can also be had through Amazon.com. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably at a discount, too, so. All right. Go there first. Yeah. Try to check, check all those things out. Um, so I'm kind of fading here, too, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going, I'm just fading out, and you're just getting up. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, Long days ahead. So. Yeah. I, I enjoy talking to you, as always. Uh, when the magazine's done, of course, you'll get oodles of copies. Oh, terrific. And uh, the co- we just finished the cover today. It looks beautiful. Great, great. And, um, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Finally. I've, I've, nobody's talking to me anymore, you know. <laughs> People have stopped emailing me and asking me when it is, when it's come, except for the couple of advertisers. <laughs> well, a lot of people the moment the magazine comes out. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> So uh, yeah, and I, I thank you again so much for um, contributing. It's always it's always great to have you in the magazine. Somebody that, somebody who's somebody who's actually been published in important journals. <laughs> <laughs> well, not so important. Uh, well, well, th- that's going to change. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, well, we all have our we all have our conspiracy, and it's it's the one that's going to work. So we'll exactly. see. <laughs> I'm with you. Okay, Scott Corrales, thanks uh, very much for being with us, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much, Greg. Take okay. care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Whoa. Is that off? Let's just turn it down. There we go. Scott Corrales, author of Flashpoint, High Strangeness in Puerto Rico, and uh, the other book, which you heard the title of. Anyway, um, I will repeat that ordering information next week after I listen to the tape of what he said. <laughs> this is The Hungry Ghost, KBLT 104.7. Hope you enjoyed our interview segment there, and uh, we'll probably do it again soon with Scott or some other appropriate paranormal or uh, parapolitical personality uh, Hungry Ghost 2 to 4 a.m. usually Tuesday night, Wednesday morning we'll be back with you next week at the same time and thanks for listening and thanks for calling uh, any last minute comments 860-8805 Good night.